0: chapter 37 it's a brand new year y'all good Did you have a good last year good holidays all of that you ready to get back to it <laughs> yeah all right we'll work on it we'll work on it starting a new sermon series this morning entitled clean slate clean slate the miracle of forgiveness I Want you to go into this year and the rest of your life with a clean slate and there's only one way there was a high school locker room, a bunch of boys, and boys will be boys, all of that, but um, one of the boys, his name was Norman Norman Johnson was kind of the star athlete track star, big man on campus, all of that. He uh, decided to play a prank on a kid named Carl Erickson, and so Norman, uh, when some guys were around and he thought it would be funny, he pulled a jock strap over carl 's head it was a locker room thing is a boy thing and Carl was embarrassed and humiliated and all of that, and I don't take anything away from that, but, uh, but that happened. That was 50 years ago, okay? Five-oh, 50, 50 years ago. Uh, if you follow the news, in South Dakota a while back, a 73-year-old man named Carl Erickson went to the door of his former high school classmate, Norman Johnson, rang the doorbell. When Norman answered the door, Carl fired shots into his body and shot him in cold blood. Carl Erickson is a 73-year-old man now who had been married 44 years, had a very successful career as an insurance salesman. And people say they don't understand how he just snapped. At his trial, as he was being sentenced, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Again, a 73-year-old man, been married 44 years, now serving life in prison. He was given the opportunity to turn around and address the, the widow, the, the wife of Norman Johnson whom, whom he had killed. Uh, Carl turned around to the widow and just simply said, I wish I could turn the calendar back. Wish I could turn the calendar back. I don't, I don't know, if it, is it easier, or hard for you to understand how a person could hold a grudge, could could stay angry and hurt for 50 years? I don't know how you relate to that, but... But Carl managed to stay angry to the point of killing the man 50 years later. I wish I could turn the calendar back. You know, the truth is, there is no way to turn the calendar back. There is no way in life to push rewind. And there's no way to undo what's been done or what's been done to you. There's no way to unsay what's been said. There is no way to have a clean slate other than the way of forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiveness from a champion of forgiveness. Really, Genesis chapter 37. We're going to just dig in a little bit to the life of a man named Joseph. Joseph is an amazing forgiver, and we'll just look at part of the story. Remember that Joseph is the young man who had brothers. Joseph was the youngest who was father's favorite. Remember, Joseph is the one whom his father gave a coat of many colors. Uh, we, we usually call it a coat of many colors. Nobody else got that. The other brothers, you know, they, they got, you know, like an orange in their stocking. But Joseph got a coat of many colors. And, Jacob was, was very open in his favoritism for his son Joseph, and the brothers hated him for that, but that's not even the end of it. Joseph was just a punk kid who had dreams, and he would have these dreams about how his brothers would come back and worship him. Now, it's one thing to have that dream, but don't come into breakfast telling his brothers about the dream, but that's what Joseph would do. He would tell them about his dreams by how they would fall on their face and serve him and all of this. They, they hated him. Let's pick up in the story. Genesis chapter 37, uh, in the verse 17, it says Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. Verse 18, Genesis chapter 37. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him, then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, one of the brothers, when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Let's don't kill him. Let's just throw him in a hole. Then he'll die without laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime, and instead of hurting him, let's sell him to these Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed, let's don't kill him, let's sell him. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Okay, fast forward, Genesis chapter fifty. Turn in your Bibles, Genesis 50, fast forward. Joseph spends his life in Egypt. We're now at the end of his life. He is reunited with his brothers at the end of his story, and you need to read the whole story. As it turns out, Joseph has forgiven them even before he saw them. They have been reunited for some time, but but now the father dies and the brothers become scared. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sins. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your servants, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Go back. Verse 15. Let's dig in there. What is it that the brothers fear? What is it that they fear? Verse 15. Look look, look down. Verse 15. Now that the father was dead, what are they afraid of? Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his, say it. Anger. He will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him. What are they afraid of? Afraid of Joseph's anger. Now, they've been with Joseph some time. Does Joseph seem angry? No. So far, no. But we all know that anger wears many faces, and anger can even wear the face of kindness for a while until the moment of revenge, and that's what they're afraid of. They're worried that Joseph, after all of these years, is still angry, and that he's actually going to try to harm them the way they harmed him. Because that's where it all begins, you understand? Every story of forgiveness begins with a story of hurt, and they hurt him. They, they hurt him. Has anybody hurt you? I really don't know most of your stories to the extent to know what you bring with you, but have you been hurt? Because forgiveness is exactly how we respond when we've been hurt. Let's start there. Let's start with the hurt. I want to I start in, in, in this place, and some of you are, are not going to like this from the start, but read this with me. There are some hurts we can all ignore. Ignore. Can we start there? We're gonna talk about forgiveness for several weeks here, but can we just all just agree from the start that we're gonna save forgiveness for the big stuff? We're gonna save forgiveness for the big stuff, the deep hurts. There are a whole lot of hurts that we can all ignore. You just need to let stuff go. In other words, you're not hurt. You're not hurt. We're not going to use forgiveness for all the little things all through the day that honestly shouldn't even bother you. You need to learn to let the little stuff go. There are some hurts we can all ignore. If we're starting there, what are we talking about? Give me an example of a hurt that we can all ignore. Okay, somebody cuts you off in traffic. You don't have to run them down. You don't have to honk the horn. You don't have to say bad words. You can let that go. It's gonna happen. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Good one. What else? If if somebody is late for dinner, yeah, one spouse or the other. Somebody late for dinner, you can let that go. Yeah, it's just dinner. Yeah, absolutely. Or if somebody squeezes the toothpaste in the middle, let that go. Okay, we're getting it. What else? Keep going. Y'all are good at this. Better than I expected. Somebody forgets your birthday. Yeah. They forgot your birthday, but you'll have another one next year. Let it go. Just let it go. Keep going. What else? Somebody doesn't speak to you. Yeah. Somebody doesn't speak to you at Walmart. Guess what? It's Walmart. Nobody feels like talking at Walmart. Let it Go. Somebody doesn't talk to you at church, just let it go. Somebody sits in your seat at church, you just let that go. They didn't shake my hand, just let that go. Everybody's got two hands, you go shake somebody else's hand and forget about it. Let it go. There are some hurts we can all ignore because you're not hurt. You're not hurt. Some people really never understand that they're not hurt. These are small things and we can let them go. Understand, one of the real signs of maturity is the ability I can feel somebody getting mad at me already. Let it go, okay? One of the signs of maturity is the ability to know the difference between a forgettable and an unforgettable offense. This is a sign of maturity. In other words, for some of you, and I I hate to have to say it the first thing this new year, but, but let me just say it. For some of you, the issue isn't forgiveness. The issue is just growing up. You just need to grow up. You're not hurt, and you cannot go through life getting your feelings hurt, getting your undies in a bunch. You just can't go through life making everything into such a big deal. You're not hurt. Nobody hurt you. Just forget about it. Let it go. One of the signs of maturity is the ability to know the difference between a forgettable and an unforgettable offense. Most everything in life is just forgettable. Just let it go. It's not worth it. It's not worth your anger. It's not worth your energy. It's not worth breaking the relationship. Just let it go. Let it go. Because there are some offenses that are not forgettable. And that's when we need forgiveness. Understand? So Joseph's brothers are afraid that Joseph is remembering what they've done to him, that that, that they're going to remember the harm that they did to him and that he is going to be angry and want to harm them now. So it comes down to anger, okay? Anger, very simply, is, is a natural response to any deep hurt or, or unfairness. Anger is a response. It's, it's a natural response, and there's nothing sinful about it at first. Jesus himself says, be angry and do not sin. You know that, Right? And so anger in itself is not sinful. It's just natural. You're going to feel angry. It's a response to whenever you're offended, whenever you're deeply hurt or you see unfairness, we feel anger. And that temporary response is healthy and normal and human. And Jesus recognized it. That's why he said, be angry, but don't sin. There is a, there's a part of anger that doesn't lead to sin. But anger will eventually lead you to sin. Remember what Jesus says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So for Jesus, it had something to do with duration. Anger is something that is temporary. It's a temporary response to a a deep hurt or, or unfairness, but it's not supposed to be a way of life. Anger is not something that you're supposed to carry with you from one day into the next, according to Jesus. Anger is not supposed to become your new way of being in the world. But now, honestly, some of you, you're just angry. And everybody knows that you're angry. You make it perfectly clear every single day you're mad. Most of us have no idea why you're angry. You may not even know why you're angry anymore. But the point is, You've let the anger become the focus of your life. It's now the way that you just get along in the world. Anger is supposed to be temporary. And when it's temporary, it's a natural response. But when it lingers day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, there is now something profoundly poisoned about your soul. Understand? Anger's natural, but it's supposed to be temporary. Temporary but for some of us it lasts a long time a recent study of divorced people men and women the the results showed that half of the women and a third of the men who had been divorced were still intensely angry with their ex-spouse intensely angry after 10 years or more after 10 years or more They're still as mad as they were the day of the divorce. Y'all know people like that? You understand? Why would anybody choose that? Why would anybody choose to live like that? Why do you still want to be mad 10 years later? Why do you want the anger, the bitterness to take over your life in that way? Why? Why? But the fact is, we get trapped in it. We begin to live in it, and anger just simply becomes our way of being in the world. Somebody let me ask you, why are you so angry? Why are you so a- angry? Some of you say, well, I'm not angry. Brother Tim, nothing gets to me. I don't get angry. Yeah, I, that's what I tell myself. I don't get angry. And honestly, I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, cussing fit, put your fist through a wall kind of guy. That's just not me. I don't express anger like that. So if somebody were saying to me, why are you so angry? My first response would be, I'm not. I'm just not. Because honestly, a lot of us we deal with anger simply by denying it. The reason I deny my anger is because I don't really want to admit that that anybody hurt me. I don't want to be a guy that can be hurt. I want to be a guy that that that's Teflon. That lives in the world and I want to be above that. And I don't really want people to get to me like that. I just want to keep on smiling and keep on moving and I don't want to live a life where people can hurt me. And to have to admit that I'm angry makes me recognize that I've been hurt. That makes me weak. I'm just not going to do that. So I deny anger. And a lot of you are the same way. We don't think of ourselves as angry. People don't see us as angry. If I were Joseph in this story, and my brother sold me into slavery and sent me off to Egypt, you know what I would say? I would say something like, well, I've always wanted to see Egypt. I've heard it's nice living in Egypt. That would be me. I just try to move on and make the best of it. But you understand, when you've been hurt deeply, you, you can't do that. And to deny anger is not to deal with it. To deny anger is not in any way to change the fact that you have been offended, you have been hurt, and that hurt goes down deep. You're going to carry that with you. Pretending like nothing happened is not the same thing as forgiving. It's certainly not what Christ intends for us. You simply can't deny it others of us, we we, we displace it. In other words, I may be angry at one person, but I transfer that anger and I express it towards somebody else. And and the trap that some of you are in in anger, this is what you've done. It would be hard for you now to even remember who you first got mad at because you've transferred that anger now. In other words, The first person who really hurt you deeply was your daddy. And and so you're angry at your father, but you haven't thought about that in years. Instead, you just vent all your anger toward your husband. So you treat your husband with this incredible anger and and wrath. Your children receive the, the, the blunt end of all of your anger. You understand? You're displacing it. Your anger really goes back to someone else, but you've learned to transfer that in your family. This is how, honestly, anger gets passed down in families, and it does. Some of you are actually living out the rage that started with your parents or grandparents. Because when anger is passed on like that, it becomes a sort of cycle. It's a trap. Anger can be displaced. We can begin to express it in directions, giving it to people who don't deserve it. I'm asking why you're so angry. I'm wondering if you wouldn't consider forgiving. I know that's I know that's really hard for some of you. I I don't know what you've experienced, I don't know your story. Some of you I do and and I'm careful when I suggest to you that forgiveness would be the answer. I'm just honest. Would you not admit that everything else you've tried is not working? You must forgive. In thinking about forgiveness, I want to give you four truths. These are four things. Let's start here. Before anything else, let's just start here. And let's establish four things that we can probably all agree on. The first is this. What they did to you was wrong, and it will always be wrong. See, when we suggest forgiveness, sometimes you're thinking that that means that you're being asked to just pretend like like nothing happened. But that's not what you're being asked to do. And it's not like you're you're expected to make an excuse for this person now or let them off the hook. Forgiveness is none of these things. It's not excusing their behavior. It's not letting them off the hook. It's simply recognizing, first off, that what happened to you was wrong. And it will always be wrong. And forgiveness is not going to make wrong right. Do you understand? The way they hurt you was wrong. It it will always, always be wrong. Number two, they had no right to hurt you we can say that. They had no right to hurt you. Some of you have been hurt very, very deeply by people that you trusted. And I'm telling you, they had no right to harm you. They had no right to treat you in that way. And you have a right to be angry. I will not take that away from you. You have every right to feel pain, to be hurt, to be angry. Because they had no right to hurt you. Every person is deserving of respect. Every person is deserving of fair treatment, and you have a right to be angry at the way you've been treated. We're not asking you to give that up. Although you are entitled to your anger, that person is not entitled to your forgiveness. Some of you don't like that, but, but follow me. They're not entitled to your forgiveness. Nobody is ever entitled to forgiveness. Understand? Forgiveness is always an act of mercy. Now, what's mercy? Mercy is when I deserve one thing, but I get something else. I don't actually get what I deserve. So, this person does not deserve forgiveness. Nobody ever deserves forgiveness. So, understand, you are entitled to your anger. They are not entitled to your forgiveness. Number four, you have options. You have a number of options in regard to the person who hurt you. Forgiveness is one of them. It's an option. You have other options. You've been trying these options, some of you, for years and years and years. It's not working. I'm asking you to consider that forgiveness is an option for you. I know I'm talking to a church crowd. You've read all the Bible verses where Jesus says forgive. In the same way that God forgives you, you forgive other people. We know that. In the Lord's Prayer, it says right there, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those as we forgive those who trespass against us. I mean, it's always there. We know it's there. And for most of us, forgiveness is a really, really good Christian ideal. It makes sense. We all believe it. it is something that we support until it's our turn to do the forgiving. When all of a sudden I'm called upon to forgive, it's different. It feels different. I feel like suddenly, wait, I can't just forgive. If I forgive, then it lets them off the hook. What they've done to me is serious and it's unforgettable and unforgivable. I mean, when you're the one that has to do the forgiving, it almost sounds like it's impossible. It is impossible. It is not in you to forgive. It is not in me either. Forgiveness is not something that comes from the human heart. We don't forgive. We don't forget. You understand? So let's just say this as well. It's not possible for you. You can't do it. If you could have done it, you would have already done it. I know. It's hard. It's impossible for you. But it is not impossible for God. Are you listening to me? That's why we've named this series Clean Slate, the miracle of forgiveness. And miracles aren't something that you and I work, you understand? A miracle is something that God does through us, in us. You and I cannot forgive. We don't forgive very well, but God forgives perfectly because of Jesus, He forgives perfectly. So what we're saying is that this miracle is a possibility because God is a God of miracles. He's a God who does these things in the human heart when we're willing to let him do his work. So this is all I'm asking of you today. All I'm asking is is that you would consider the option, that you would recognize that it's at least a possibility because of the Lord. So, So where do you start? Well, it's where we started with with your anger. You gotta acknowledge your anger. Well, I'm not angry. Okay, well, then acknowledge your hurt. Acknowledge your pain. I said, I don't typically express anger. I don't cuss. I don't put my fist through walls. I don't slam doors. I don't do any of these things. I don't honk the horn. I don't throw the remote. I just get depressed. I I, I just get depressed when when I'm angry you'll never know because I just turn it all inside on myself I I get anxious I I get depressed I I just try to swallow it whole I, I don't like to acknowledge that I'm angry because if I have to acknowledge I'm angry then I have to admit that I've that I've been hurt and I just hate the fact that I've been hurt I hate that. I hate that people could accuse me of things I've never done. I just hate that people could treat me in that way. I hate in that moment that I care enough that I've let them do that to me, that I've let them get to me. I want to sort of go through life in such a way where people don't get to me. I certainly don't want to be weak and be hurt. And to acknowledge anger, to acknowledge pain makes me recognize some sort of weakness in me, and I despise that. I just want to go on through my life and act like nothing bothers me. But I'm telling you, things bother me. And when I try to move on as if I'm not bothered, I just get depressed. It's like poison in my soul. It's the same way for you. I don't know how you express or, or any way communicate your anger, your, your pain. But, but we have to start here. Brother Tim, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've been mad, but I don't know if it's a forgiveness thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm that mad. Well, let me just ask you a few questions. Are you kind of obsessed? I mean, in the sense of not so much what you say and do, but in your head all the time? You keep thinking about this person all the time, and you just hate them? You know what I mean? I mean, we don't like to use that word, but you just think about them all the time, and you continue to replay what they did to you? Continue to go back and, and, and relive it and, and you hear her voice in your head and you think about what you wish you could say now, but you can't turn that off. I mean, you would love to not think about it, but you can't stop thinking about it. This is what I mean. I mean. Let me ask you, can you go a whole day without thinking about it, about the way they hurt you, about the way you hate them? I mean, can you go a full day and not think about it? You gotta acknowledge your anger. You gotta... Let yourself acknowledge that you've been hurt. They hurt you. Now, I'm not saying you make excuses for them. I'm not saying you're ready to let them off the hook. I'm just saying it, 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 at least begin with the acknowledgement that you're angry and that you've been hurt. But because that acknowledgement is going to lead you to a choice. And at the moment of decision, I, I'm asking you to decide to Forgive. You can decide to forgive. It'll be a miracle. It'll just be a miracle. But God works miracles. It'll be messy, messy, and difficult. You'll have anger left over. You'll feel like you forgive them today, and then tomorrow, boom, I mean, you're just angry and hurt again. And you'll feel like you're starting all over, but that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it's messy. You'll have anger and pain left over for a while, but it can start. I mean, what God wants to do in your heart can begin, but it's a choice you make. You get to choose. Back in the day, Rich Pond School, elementary school, we redneck kids. We used to play tug-of-war. Not all the time. The teacher had to bring out that giant rope as big as an anaconda. You know, it was red and white stripes, giant big knots at the end. They didn't bring it out all the time because when we played tug-of-war, you know, kids died. I mean, this was just this dog-eat-dog um, playground play. And so you know how it goes. You spread the rope out. You put a flag in the middle. Put one team on this side, one team on the other. You try to spread out the wimpy kids and the big kids and try to make it as even as you can, and then everybody gets their place on the rope, and the teacher counts down. Three, two, one, and then it's it's pull, pull. The whole idea is to bring that team over to my side. I'm pulling them closer to me, and they don't budge because, understand, in tug of war, you don't move. That's the idea. You just can't move. you got to plant yourself. Now at Rich Pond School, back in the day, you wanted Eric Sawyers on your team because Eric Sawyers would dig a hole. He would dig a hole, and he would sit in the hole. He'd get the very end, and you weren't moving him. He would never move. He would sit there like a rock, like an anchor, and this is the game. Who invented this? This is the whole game. Everybody just stands stubborn and pulls and you're pulling them trying to pull them to your side and they're trying to pull you to their side and sometimes you can feel yourself getting weak and moving and then you pull back and you can see them getting weak how does it end eventually somebody lets go and when you let go the war is over forgiveness is like tug of war Are you listening to me? Forgiveness is like tug of war. When you let go, the war is over. So why are you still hanging on? Why are you still hanging on? I know for some of you, it's, It is an amazing thing to be asked to do. Not asking for much today. But are you willing to let it begin? Will you just decide to start the journey of forgiveness and understanding that it's not in you. It's going to come from the Lord. If it's going to happen, he'll have to do it. You you don't have it in you. At this point you're not feeling like you want to do it. And I'm not asking you to want to. I'm not asking you for that. Maybe that'll come later at this point. Out of simple obedience to Christ, out of a simple desire to see your own life get better, will you not just understand that you have the option? At any moment, you can let go of this thing and the war will be over. That's a choice you can make today I'm asking you to consider it pray with me Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive me, O Christ, even as I forgive others. Jesus, this is not my work. This has to be your work. It's not in me. It is in me to hold a grudge. It is in me to hate. It is, it is in me to try to act like nothing ever happened. Forgiveness doesn't come from this heart, Lord Jesus. It comes only from your heart. So will you bring my heart so close to your heart that I can begin to love and forgive like you? Jesus, you know our hearts. You know how some of us hate. And you know how some of us continue to nurse a grudge and how we can't forget even though we try to forget. Lord Jesus, will you just let us start today, start small, will you just let us start by giving you permission to do this miracle? We Just give you permission that if you can teach us, people like us, to love and forgive like you, then so be it. We don't know how this will happen. We don't know what it's going to look like, Lord. But today, we're willing to say yes to you. Yes to the miracle. Even as you have forgiven us, Lord Jesus, will you teach us how to forgive others? We pray these things in the name of Jesus, but for our sakes. Amen. We stand, please. Honestly, some of you really struggle with forgiveness because you've never experienced it. And this is what I'm trying to say. It it all begins with the forgiveness you receive from Jesus. Do you not understand that all of your guilt, all of your sin, all the things you've done wrong, it is possible because of Jesus to have a clean slate, an absolutely positively clean slate you don't have to feel guilty anymore. You don't have to hide and keep your secrets anymore. God forgives you perfectly, completely. All you have to do is want Him. All you have